0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson show. The phone number if you'd like to be a part of the program, 877-973-7425. Those of you who are on the lines, well, be patient with me. I will get to you, but I I I got I was uh, deciding whether or not uh, when I wanted to do this. So, you know, if you get my Substack, uh, if you text the word show to 33777, you can get the podcast links to Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple. Uh, you can also get the 24-7 live feed, but you can also, at the bottom, there's a link to my uh, daily email that you can subscribe to. And on Sundays, uh, normally I will do a monologue or two during the week, and, and it it has theological overtones. And we've been sending it out on Sundays as a uh, Sunday sermon, so to speak, Uh, having been in seminary and the like. Occasionally I can get, I know some of you say I get preachy, but occasionally it is worthwhile. And I saw some data and I want to actually dive into this data. Uh, The source is from Ryan Berg. He is a Baptist preacher of the American Baptist denomination. He's also a professor at uh, Eastern Illinois University. He does some religious survey. There's a survey of nuns out. Now, who are the nuns? The nuns, I'm not talking N-U-N-S. I'm talking N-O-N-E-S. Uh, The nuns are the atheists, the new atheists. And there's a question out there. Where do the nuns come from? Where do the people who fall into atheism come from? And this is a, a tracking survey that's been going on since 1973 to 2018. And the question asked is, which religion were you raised in? You identify now as an atheist. Which religion were you raised in? There has been a rise of the nuns. We are a post-Christian society. You see this on the post-Christian right and the post-Christian left. There are a lot of people these days who are prone to scream at the wind, what has conservatism conserved? And inevitably, there are people who want to break apart the institutions of the country or the country itself. From the left, they want to delegitimize institutions. From the right, they want the great divorce. The answer to the question, what is conservatism conserved, is the United States of America. We are conservative most about the things we know best, and this country knows best about what it was like to go through a civil war in this country, and we don't want it to happen again. We're very conservative about conserving the country, except for the populist nationalists on the right and the progressives on the left, who it's all about power for them. But they have come about in large part because we are a post-Christian society. As Ross Douthat at the New York Times has said, You don't like the Christian right. Get ready for the post-Christian right. They're worse. They are. No grace, no mercy. They view themselves just like the left. It's all about power for them and how they're going to use the power. They're really getting a whole lot of difference between them and the left other than how they intend to use the power. And they come about as the nation leaves behind Christendom and heads into a secular age. And so this survey has been out since the 1970s, since 1973. In which religion, if you declare yourself an atheist, in which religion were you raised? In the 1970s, the hippies and the like, uh, 27% came from other religious traditions. Yeah, I bet so. Buddhism, uh, the Hinduism that was pervasive in the West Coast at the time, the, the, the New Age hippie spiritualism. Uh, same thing happened in the, in the 2000s. Catholicism generates a great deal of the nuns. Catholicism typically generates about a fifth to a quarter of the atheists of America. And I suspect these atheists coming from Catholicism are the ones who've been around the Jesuits and the left-wing priests. You know there are some fantastic Catholic priests in this country and around the world who are deeply committed to the orthodoxy of Catholicism, the doctrines of Catholicism, the spiritualism of Catholicism, and they keep people within the fold committed to their faith. But it's it's the liberals who kind of drive people away. Um, a, a big driver you might be surprised to learn, or maybe not, it now is people who were raised by atheists. About a quarter of atheists come from that. But back in the 1970s, it was 11%. What has been a pretty consistent driver besides Catholicism and and people raised by atheists? The mainline Protestant traditions. The Episcopalians, the PCUSA, uh, the United Church of Christ, they tend to drive out the... Uh, believers, I mean, the mainline Christendom, Episcopalianism, and I don't mean to offend, and I know this does some of you, Episcopalianism is like a halfway house for atheism these days. You know the two groups that are least likely to generate a child who becomes an atheist? White evangelicals and black Protestants. White evangelicals and black Protestants. Only about 6% of the nuns come out of black Protestantism. And no more than 9% come out of white evangelicalism. Well, 1970s, it was 9.2 in the 80s, 9.9 in the 1990s, 11.4 in the 2000s, 9.3 in the 2010s, 9.4 around 9%. Compared to the Catholics in 1970, it was 24.6, in the 80s, 25.6, in the 90s, 26.9, in the 2000s, 20.1, in the 2010s, 27.7. Isn't it interesting that uh, during the late stages of John Paul II and then Benedict XVI, committed conservative, uh, took their faith real seriously, pushed the church to do so, you had uh, a drop in the number of nuns coming out of Catholicism. In fact, we're at a high watermark right now for uh, nuns coming out of black Protestantism as a lot of the prosperity gospel seeps in. I I don't know the underlying data among the Catholics, but I have a guess by looking at the mainline numbers. My guess is that the people falling into atheism from the Catholic Church are the ones whose local leadership diocese and priests are very liberal because there is a strain of the nuns coming from liberalism. What I find really notable, though, is that there is this ongoing conversation in the United States about deconstructionism. It's very postmodern deconstructionism. We're going to work our way back. We're going to deconstruct our faith. We're going to take it apart and see what stands. And surprise, the people most likely to engage in that wind up saying, oh, you know what? I think I'm an atheist. None of it makes sense. There's this rule in journalism and in research. When you go finding to find something you think exists, you're probably going to find it. When you want to go find racism in a movement, you're probably going to find racism in the movement. When you want to go find. Heresy in a movement, you're probably going to find it. When you want to find the rhinos of the Republican Party, you're going to find them. When you want to find inconsistent doctrine, oh, you're going to find the inconsistent doctrine. You go looking for it. You know it's there. It's your presupposition. Your presuppositions have a way of always coming true, and rarely are they challenged by you yourself who possesses the presuppositions. But here now, so much of the media, so much of popular theology, so much of the Religious conversations in the press are about how evangelicalism is in the collapse here. Evangelicalism is in the tank. Uh, Evangelicals have all sorts of problems, and all these people are deconstructing from evangelicalism. It turns out it's a uniquely uh, focused phenomenon on social media. It is the Twitter celebrities. It is the Twitterati who are deconstructing themselves out of evangelicalism, but it actually turns out from the data that those people who are most committed to orthodoxy are least likely to generate atheists. The parents and the churches most committed to faith are the ones that are least likely to churn out the atheists. I see this in my life with my kids who go to a um, Christian school, small conservative Christian classical education We had to actually be interviewed about our faith for our children to be allowed to go. And all the kids have a deep education in faith. They take apologetics. They take systematic theology. My 16-year-old, her class is doing a deep dive in the book of Romans. My 13-year-old, his class is doing a deep dive in the book of Genesis. They understand their faith. They're able to defend their faith. Now, that's not to say they won't be pulled away. I pray they won't, but maybe they will. But I think of some friends I know whose kids go to a school that is a church-based school, but you would never know it, and they are deeply worried about their kids and the kids around them, uh, because it is so secularized, it doesn't symbolize anything to them. Uh, that they, they look and operate and act just like every other kid in the class and the school. You would never know that it was a faith-based education. But when you get into the actual data, when you get into the underlying data, what you find is something that you would be hard-pressed to realize from the conversations on social media, from the coverage of religion reporters in the New York Times and the Washington Post or the Atlantic or even the religious news service or Christianity Today, for that matter. What you find is that the people who are committed to biblical orthodoxy are the people who tend to stay committed to biblical orthodoxy. The, I told you that the mainline church is turning out less and less nuns. It was 23% in the 1970s, 18 in the 1980s, 15.6% in the 1990s, 12% in the 2000s, 12.6% in 2010s. The reason it's been in decline for the mainline church is because the mainline church itself has been in decline. In fact, when you look, it's not a coincidence that the number of people in households who consider themselves atheists who came from households of atheists has gone up as the mainline churches has gone down because the mainline churches are the churches who decided to look and embrace the world and abandon orthodoxy in favor of the world, the halfway houses of atheism. And guess what? It shows. So in all the culture and all the worry out there, particularly I I say this and I can have this conversation with you all because I know the demographics of my listeners and readers. I know that the things you guys care about and I understand that this is one of those issues that is in the back of your mind. It comes up in emails. It comes up in tweets. It comes up in direct messages of all the deconstructionism that's happening out there and all the coverage of faiths in America and faith around the world and what the heck is happening with the world. This, I think, is the most notable aspect of it. We've had this polling now going back to the 1970s and the churches most committed to biblical truth and orthodoxy, the churches, I dare say, most committed to the inerrancy of Scripture, something that's controversial again, the churches most committed to it are the ones least likely to raise a generation of atheists. And for those of you who aren't in one of those churches and you're worried about your kids, you should probably keep that in mind. Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Let's go back to the phone. Steven, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. How are you? Very good. Very good. Sorry. That's right. Uh, Give me two seconds. I got to
1: get you off speakerphone. (laughs) You did that real quick. Uh, (laughs) Ah, yeah.
0: That's all right. 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 I'll let you slide. There you go. You sound great.
1: Yeah. So I know you love uh, law or, you know, you're kind of entertained by it and we are too. Um, so it's, this is just sort of a fun question, it, and it's a hypothetical, okay? Um, and I would just like to hear you opine on it. Um, so we, we all know that they are considering um, in the Supreme Court the uh, affirmative action as it, as it uh, uh, applies to colleges, only colleges. I don't know why they're not applying it to everything, but just colleges. Mm -hmm. And so my question is, let's say that that court case went through and they decided that affirmative action is wrong and it's against the Constitution. And the question is, who would have to sue in court to have the case heard with respect to Biden? Let's say it already happened. Like, let's say it happened two years ago. The Supreme Court did it two years ago. It's already law. Who would have to sue in court? Uh, to have the case heard with respect to Biden declaring that only a black woman will be considered for the uh, job of the new SCOTUS? Oh, that's
0: so would a great it, would question. Would it have to be any
1: man, or, or, or like well, would it, would, there, would it be a woman of another race?
0: There, no lawsuit allowed. Uh, they, they wouldn't even take the case. You'd be laughed out of the courthouse. Um, you, oh. you make a great point there, but the, the issue here is that the president of the United States can determine any criteria he wants to put someone on the Supreme Court. And if he says he's only going to find a black woman, nobody can stop him except the voters at the ballot box can can hold it against him later. It is his choice to put a black woman on the court. Uh, You know, Ronald Reagan in 1980 said that he would put the first woman on the Supreme Court. And when a vacancy came open, uh, the only people Ronald Reagan would consider for the court were women. By the way, Brian Stelter on CNN pointed that out and said it's hypocritical for conservatives to be condemning Joe Biden for saying he would only put a black woman on the court. Except in 1980, conservatives were criticizing Ronald Reagan. So was Jimmy Carter. The Democrats were criticizing Ronald Reagan for putting some sort of uh, quota campaign in for the Supreme Court. Uh, Ed Meese, who became Reagan's attorney general. Phyllis Schlafly, who led a women's movement. uh, And others criticized Ronald Reagan saying he would only put a woman on, they the conservatives actually balked and said that this and um uh, what's his name Jesse Helms Jesse Helms complained uh, former senator North Carolina the conservatives said that this was just a sign that George H W Bush was uh, running Reagan to the left and they were unhappy with it. Uh, back to the phones, Jennifer, you're going to be up next. Welcome.
2: Hi, Eric. First of all, you made me laugh my head off with the foghorn leghorn impression. <laughs> <laughs> and I want Herschel Walker, okay, he understands Georgians who won't flow in order. But here's something I want you to look at. Your Bill of Rights says politicians or government cannot get involved with your religious practice. So if I take a Bible with me everywhere I go and I walk into a school, that's going to be legal, If I pray in school, it's going to be legal. So let's think about the districts and the states making their own choice. We don't have to accept in our Constitution any of that. We really don't. It's up to us here in Georgia or any state across America.
0: Yep. I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, and, and you know, Jennifer, let me, let me get to that. I'm, I'm, I got an ad I got to do. I'm afraid. And, and, uh, I got to cut short here to be able to remind people about this deal from Omaha stakes, which is going to go away soon. So you need to get to it. Uh, Omaha stakes, uh, right now has great deals for in the football season with a big game coming. You can get great discounts by using my name in the search bar at omahasteaks.com. That's Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Not only that, you can get the Heartland Favorites package from Omaha Steaks. They'll pick that package for you. You just go put my name in the search bar and you'll see it. And you'll get four pork chops and four chicken breasts for free. And they're delicious. In fact, the chicken breasts are so tender and juicy, you're not going to dry them out on the grill. And the pork chops, my gosh, they're fantastic. What you do is go to omahasteaks.com and you put Eric, E-R-I-C-K, in the search bar. And you will see these great deals for the end of the football season. Get ready for the big game. stockpile. You know, you go to the grocery store, you may not be able to find chicken. You may not be able to find pork. You may not be able to find beef. You may not be able to find wings. You can find it at Omaha Steaks. Go to omahasteaks.com today. Put Eric in the search bar, E-R-I-C-K. Well, I'm afraid I am deceased. I'm sorry. I am deceased. Killed by the Avenatti cross-examination of Stormy Daniels. (laughs) This is happening while we are on the air. Michael Avenatti is doing a cross-examination of Stormy Daniels in his case. (laughs) <laughs> oh dear God, uh please God in heaven. The this this is comedy gold. Uh Avenatti. This is a reporter uh, who is writing out the transcript as fast as he can as this cross examination is going on. Avanetti. Wasn't it true I was typically nice and respectful to you? Daniels. No, you lied to me. Avanetti. Didn't you tell the government I was nice and respectful? Daniels, I was wrong. Avenatti, move to strike. Avenatti, didn't you tell the New York Times that watching me work was like watching the Sistine Chapel painted? Stormy Daniels, that's what you told me to say. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is brutal. This is brutal. Avenatti. Before you hired me, you researched me, right? Stormy Daniels, I Googled you the night before. Avenatti, didn't you use Wikipedia? Stormy Daniels, yes. Avenatti, did you write on Twitter, I was not touching those funds, dip, blankety-blank? Daniels, no, but I'm sure I did. Avenatti, so nobody writes your tweets? The judge interjects, somebody writes the tweets. Avenatti says you're right. Terrible question. <laughs> God, it's just—it's a disaster. It's a disaster. <laughs> I wow. <laughs> Did you say watching me work was like watching the Sistine Chapel be painted? Yes, because you told me that's what I needed to say. Ouch. Uh, I man, this guy is who CNN and MSNBC. Put on to go after Donald Trump and Brett Kavanaugh. This was like their heralded attorney. If you remember, there was a fan club. I mean, he was giving people thigh sweats. Oh, he's so hot. They should put him on the Supreme Court. I mean, you had uh, Jennifer, what's her name? The idiot at the the Washington Post. Ruben, what's her name? uh, Just all over, anything you haven't had he said, they were all like, this guy, oh, he's so tenacious. This guy's a fighter. We should run him for political office. And now all the same, you're like, I never said that. I never said cults of personality are a hell of a thing. And so many people want to dive into cults of personality. And, and what's so amazing to me are the number of people, the number of people on television and in the newspaper who were all about Michael Avenatti and everything he said about Donald Trump and Brett Kavanaugh and all of his supposed clients. And now they want to pretend it never happened. Good grief. Hypocrites. Not even hypocrites, actually. Just, just, I mean, idiots. Okay, now we got to go back to the folds. Bill, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Bill, how are you? I am great. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? All right, I have a
1: question. Either the environmentalists are psychic, or they looked at the science a few years ago, and that's when they changed the term from global warming to climate change because we're now freezing our butts off. What do you think? Were they psychic or did they look at the science a few years back?
0: No, you know, there's actually uh, there was a meeting and I forget what it was. It has been a few years ago where environmentalists actually decided that they had to start using the phrase climate change, because if you'll recall, they would typically do their do their big conferences in February or March. And there's always a big blizzard. And so it would throw them off their game and people would laugh and snicker and say, ha ha, global warming, look at all the snow. And so they decided they had to routinely refer to it as climate change because climate change was a more accurate parsing of what was going on in some such. Uh, and uh, it, it's all a wordplay for them. So, I mean, for those of you who don't know, it's going to be in the low 30s all weekend in Miami, Florida the the wind chill in miami is going to be down to 29 degrees by sunday night in georgia where i am we're going to be in the 30s it is going to be cold all over the eastern seaboard now it's going to be warmer out west which is very typical the way with the, the way the jet stream dips it's not going to be a a, a cross nation uh cold front, but for the, for the Eastern United States, it's going to be really cold. And new England is going to get a massive blizzard. There are blizzard warnings in places uh, through North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, uh, up into Pennsylvania and New York. Uh, and then it's going to blow into Boston over the weekend. Atlantic city could get double their annual average snowfall it is uh, gonna be a major, major winter storm, and it looks like another potential winter storm could be shaping up for uh, for groundhog day in that my wife is so ready for uh, the groundhog to say it's gonna be summer. I, I kind of would like some real snow around here. nonetheless, freeze watches were issued Thursday. For parts of southern Georgia and northern Florida, including the Jacksonville area, they were upgraded to freeze warnings by Friday morning, and freezing is going to take place all the way down into the Everglades. There are some hope that maybe they could help kill off the pythons, although probably the strongest will survive, and that'll be part of a problem. Uh, further north, the Arctic surge is going to keep temperatures below average for the Midwest and the Northeast, Throughout the weekend, it's going to be really cold. And so it doesn't help the environmentalists to say it's all global warming when people are looking at why are we having record low temperatures, if that's the case. Well, that's the case because now they've moved on to climate change. And, and you know, to some degree, if you follow out what they make claims about, uh, the claim at this point is actually that um, – it's it really is more of uh, we're gonna see more extremes in climate. the The world overall is going to get warmer, but that doesn't necessarily mean where you live is you where you live, you're just gonna have more extreme weather. So they say more extreme hurricanes, more extreme tornadoes, but you know that it hasn't actually held up when it comes to hurricanes. Uh, we did not have a really big hurricane season this year. Yes, there were hurricanes, but we didn't really have these massive, massive constant display of hurricanes like people were thinking we would. It's not to say we won't in the future. There have certainly been patterns in the past. I mean, you had Katrina back in 2005, but I just don't know that it's going to be as uh, big a thing as they have said. Now, listen, I I have come around on climate change. Yeah, I do think that uh, the world is probably warming, but I do think they overstate human involvement in it I do think is probably more natural than it is man-made although I do think we play a role because there are so many of us on the planet we can certainly affect the ecology and the environment of the planet but that being said I don't think the solution is to give up our western lifestyle Uh, that's just a giant tax on poor people instead let's learn to adapt and deal with it now I got to move on to a a troubling story um, as Holocaust, Holocaust Remembrance Day was yesterday, and as it was happening, as we were headed into it, in McMinnville, Tennessee, my brother in law is from McMinnville, McMinnville, Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee School Board voted to remove Mouse from its curriculum. Now, I've never read Mouse. I I know the content of Mouse. Uh, mouse was written uh, as a comic. In 1986, it was adapted into a book. It won a Pulitzer for its artist, author, Art Spiegelman. And it's about the Holocaust. It follows Spiegelman's Jewish parents through their internment in Auschwitz in the 1940s. The Nazis are portrayed as cats. The Jews are portrayed as mice. It is a comic where there actually is nudity in the comic. Even though it's, it's animals, there's some nudity there. And the school board was portrayed by a progressive writer as getting rid of Holocaust education. And you know the implication there was that, well, this is a, this is a white area of rural Tennessee. And these conservative rednecks, they're white supremacist sympathies. And they don't want to teach about the Holocaust, so they banned mouse. The story went viral. the 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 guy who did it, Judd Legham, uh, he has a history of being a progressive activist who sensationalizes uh, stories about conservatives, and the media takes him credibly because the media is sympathetic to him. Uh, he worked for, I think, think Progress. He was a progressive activist there. And, of course, members of the media, they ceased seized hold of this because the media's got sympathies on the left as well. And, of course, you know those Hicks in Tennessee, they voted for Donald Trump. They're a bunch of racists. And proof, proof, they banned a book about the Holocaust. They didn't want their kids reading it. The story went viral, made it across the nation. It was covered on news networks. It was covered in newspapers. Of course, it was covered all over social media. And it simply turns out to be false yes it is true that the school board voted unanimously to stop using the book mouse in uh, eighth grade history classes to learn about the holocaust it is true the presuppositional framing however that was that this was done to suppress learning about the holocaust a bunch of racists uh, anti-Semite who don't want to learn it. That's not actually true. The reason the school board has decided to stop it is because of some of the very graphic displays in the book they didn't think were age-appropriate. And they want to find and use other resources that would be age-appropriate for eighth graders in their school system to learn about the Holocaust. There are plenty of people, myself included, who learned about the Holocaust in school without using this book but this was a hit job designed to make a group of people look bad. And therein lies the bit of irony about this is that the Holocaust targeted for elimination a group of people. And this writer and the national press was willing to target a group of people, not for destruction, thank God, uh, but for stereotyping and embarrassment and ridicule because of their own hatred and disgust for a class of people, white conservative Christians in the South. That's really what's going on here. They don't like white conservative uh, Bible-thumping Christians who vote for Donald Trump, and they were willing to believe the worst about them. They want to engage in Holocaust denialism. They don't want to teach their kids about the Holocaust. It's Holocaust Remembrance Day, and they want to ban books about the Holocaust. The book was not banned. They just think it's not age appropriate for an eighth grader, and you can say, "Well, the, the Holocaust was violent. It was vile. It was awful. It was disgusting." Would you let an eighth grader watch Schindler's List? I wouldn't. I won't let my ninth grader watch Schindler's List yet. It's too violent. Yet, yeah, accurately depicts what was going on, and I don't want my kid getting that in his head yet. He's too young. You can you can say otherwise, but we've made sure our children know what the Holocaust was without having to show them the murders. It is so easy in the American press to generate hateful stories about Republicans, conservatives, Christians, people in the South. It is so easy. And it has happened again. It was a blatant misrepresentation of what was happening. And you will not see a major walk back from the press on this because the underlying basis that uh, the school board decided not to use this book for eighth graders, it is true. The framing of it, the intentions of it, the reason for the story, though, had nothing to do with that. It was all to make these people look like they were engaged in some level of Holocaust denialism and censoring of books and banning of books, which they're not doing. And you're not going to get an apology from the press these days because they're okay if they hurt the feelings of these people. And that is why so many people no longer trust, believe in, or accept what they hear in the media. And the media lacks any self-awareness or self-assessment to recognize it's a problem. Some of you have problems around your house, and that includes stinky air. Now, there's a way to get rid of it instead of masking it. Now, for those of you who are in evangelical churches... I realize your spouses are probably into essential oils and you want to mask the odor, but there is a way to eliminate the odor. Yeah, I listen, I'm in one of these. You should see the amount of money my wife spends on essential oils. I get it. I can laugh about it because I'm living the existence. But the Eden Pure Thunderstorm actually eliminates odors. And you can get three of them right now for less than $200. All you do is go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's right. Eden, like the Garden of Eden. Pure is the Driven Snow Deals. EdenPureDeals.com. Click on Eric Erickson and you will see the Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack. Put it in your cart. At checkout, you put in the discount code. You'll see a little discount code box and you put in ERIC 3. E-R-I-C-K 3. ERIC 3. Click the Apply button and you will see $200 come off the total price. And now all three of them are less than $200. And you get free shipping. So one for the upstairs, one for the downstairs, one for the basement or the car or the RV. They're portable. You hold them in your hand. You plug them in. They pack a wall up. They clean the air. And they're filterless. They work. EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code at checkout is Eric, E-R-I-C-K, and the number three. No space. Oh, I got to correct myself. I said the mouse story was in uh, Mackmanville, Tennessee. It's actually in Mackman, Tennessee. Uh, McMinn County, Tennessee, different places, different locations. McMinn County is north of Chattanooga. Uh, McMinnville is uh, in the middle of the state, in the mid-state. You know, Tennessee divides itself into East Tennessee, West Tennessee, and Mid-Tennessee. And uh, McMinnville is in uh, Middle Tennessee, and McMinn County is East Tennessee. So different locations. I'm sorry. Thank you for everyone who emailed me. Now I love this story. At the end. The Democrats are getting their comeuppance. 427,502. It's the number of Republicans who voted in the 2020 presidential election in Georgia and then stayed home in the runoff, handing the United States Senate to the Democrats. The number one reason they did, they were all surveyed. The number one reason those 427,205 people, it was 205, not 502. The reason they stayed home, the number one issue was they thought the election was going to be stolen, so there was no point. And they stayed home. You had Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene telling them it was going to be stolen. Uh, Georgia Republican Party Chairman David Schaefer telling them it was going to be stolen. Donald Trump. Tell them it was going to be stolen, and they believed them, and they stayed home. So in 2021, the Republicans in the Georgia legislature passed a big election reform bill. And now the Democrats are telling their voters that the Republicans have made it too hard to vote. They're stealing it. They're going to suppress them. They've made it too hard. You can't vote. And guess what? In a new survey from Quinnipiac University, 45% of black voters in Georgia think it will be somewhat or very difficult to vote. Only 7% thought the same in the 2020 election. That's from a left-wing pollster pointing out that data from the Quinnipiac poll. 45% of black voters in Georgia think it's going to be super difficult to vote this time. I actually think that's hysterical. I find it very funny the Democrats saw that the Republicans were able to suppress their own vote by convincing themselves the election was going to be stolen. And now they've done the same thing to their voters. It is delicious irony uh, that you got a bunch of Democrats now who aren't going to go vote in 2022 in Georgia because they think they're going to be suppressed if they even go try. You know, like I told the Republican voters in 2021, at least be smart enough to test the hypothesis But 427,000 of them didn't even want to go bother to try. They just had this epistemic belief that the election was going to be stolen. So it became a self-fulfilling prophecy, and they handed it to the Democrats. And now the Democrats have their own self-fulfilling prophecy. They're all going to be suppressed, so they might as well not show up. Good. Don't show up. Let Herschel Walker and Brian Kemp be there for a good long while. It's 2022 and guess what? Nothing still makes sense. The whole world seems to be going crazy right now and banks have gotten really skittish at helping small businesses. They're perfectly happy to help the giant businesses. But what about you? You're a small business. You got to buy a building or build a building or you need a big loan for a fleet of vehicles to grow your business and the banks are giving you a hard time. Check out my friends at First Liberty Building and Loan. They can help you nationwide wherever you are. If you're a small business and you need access to loans, let's say 500,000 and up, First Liberty can do it. They've been doing this since the early 90s. The Frost family are friends of mine. They're committed Christians and they're great business people and they are committed to small businesses. Reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. FirstLibertyGA.com. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a good fit for you. See if you're a good fit for them. They want to help you get to yes, where the big banks are saying no. Nationwide, they can help you if you're a small business. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com.